Welcome to our podcast where we discuss all things tax. In today's episode, our panel's research was focused on the presidential candidate's views and ideas on the tax areas of real estate, manufacturing, and the individual and corporate tax rates. Before our panel begins to discuss their findings, I think it's important that we reflect back on the 2017 Tax Cut and Job Act. The TCJA amended the Internal Revenue Code, and the bill was passed under the budget reconciliation process, and therefore bypassed any potential filibuster in the Senate. The Senate passed the bill with 51 votes that all came from the Republican Party. I share the background on the bill because I believe it helps to bring context to the differences between the two parties when it comes to tax. Now, some of the tax code that we will discuss was affected by the TCJA and other pieces may not have been. The three individuals discussing the research with us today are James Fox from Orlando, Florida, Christopher O'Neill from Hartford, Connecticut, and myself from Murray, Kentucky. First up, we have James Fox who will be sharing with us about the individual tax brackets and corporate rates that are being proposed by both candidates. James, it's nice to have you with us today. Can you initially share with our listeners some of your findings in regards to the individual income tax rates? Absolutely. Let's begin with Trump's proposed tax plans. The media buzzed earlier this year about Trump considering a 10% middle-class tax cut this past February to be announced in September, just a couple months ahead of the election. Obviously, we're into October, and it seems that any mentions of a tax cut have vanished. Now, don't think I've forgotten about the coronavirus. We all know the pandemic began in March after word got out about a potential tax cut. Since then, the federal government enacted over a $2 trillion stimulus plan, and now there's talks of another stimulus plan hovering in the $2 trillion range sometime in the near future. With these impacts to the federal budget and debt, any additional tax cuts may not be conceivable. Tax cuts aside, Trump intends to push current tax provisions under the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act beyond 2025 and make them permanent. Again, with all that has happened this year and with 2025 in the distant future, as well as other economic factors, the days of enjoying the lower tax brackets may end sooner rather than later. Now, Biden proposes increasing the highest individual tax rate to 39.5%, whereby taxpayers making more than $400,000 in taxable income would see their taxes increase. Currently, the highest tax bracket stands at 37% for which those earning more than $250,000 fall into. Therefore, his overall plan is to tax a little bit more for those that make more, a common position the Democratic Party takes. From a tax research perspective, changes would be made to the Internal Revenue Code Section 1, under which tax brackets are outlined. Right now, Internal Revenue Code Section 1J reflects the lower tax brackets under the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act as effective through 2025. Okay, great. Thank you, James. Uh, So that's the individual tax rates. Are there any proposed changes to the corporate tax rate? As many of us know, the Tax Cut and Jobs Act reduced the corporate tax rate to 21%. Trump does not want to change that. 
although Biden proposes a significant increase and in provisions for the corporate tax rate. Specifically, he proposes to increase the corporate rate to 28%. Not only that, he would enact a 15% minimum book tax on companies making more than $100 million, but pay zero or negative federal income taxes. So essentially, an alternative minimum tax for such large corporations. Part of Biden's proposed tax reforms includes penalties for U.S. companies that offshore specifically a 10% surtax on the profits from any production by a U.S. company overseas for sales on American soil, making the overall tax rate on the profit nearly 31%, thereby disincentivizing companies from moving outside of the United States for more favorable tax planning. Wow, that's a lot of changes Biden wants. Um, any idea when these could possibly go into effect? Biden pledges to roll back Trump's corporate tax cuts on the first day of his presidency, if elected, of course. Although such tax reforms impact the tax code, specifically Section 11B for the corporate tax rate and Section 882 for taxation of foreign corporations, it requires an act of Congress, which may not be a realistic proclamation on his first day. Thank you, James. Uh, we look forward to hopefully hearing more from the candidates in the near future regarding these policies. Next up, we have Christopher O'Neill, who spent his time researching tax policy as it pertains to the manufacturing industry. Chris, thank you for coming on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I'd like to talk a little bit about manufacturing tax policy when it comes to these two different candidates. And first, I'd like to start with Trump. Now, Trump proposes no change to the current law, but as it is, the current law was uh, now the Qualified Business Income Deduction under the 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. For that, that means a 20% Qualified Business Income Deduction, plus these would be includable items that must effectively be connected with conduct of trade or business within the United States. Now, Trump enacted this in 2017, which repealed the tax law for years before 2017, in which businesses were entitled to a 9% deduction for domestic production activities of the lesser of qualified production activities income of the taxpayer for that tax year, or taxable income determined without regard to Section 199 for that tax year. Now, Trump's qualified business income deduction would be the amount of the deduction for any tax year being limited to 50% of W-2 wages of the employer for that tax year. Now, this comes from Internal Revenue Code Section 199, Income Attributable to Domestic Production Activities, which Trump repealed with his Public Law 115-97, Section 13305A. Uh, which was a part of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. What are the effects of this, um, keeping the current law as proposed by Trump? Well, one would likely be corporations and business tax cuts. And this could also lead to possibly more jobs because the companies um, have to pay less in taxes. Now, I'd like to talk a little bit about Biden's proposed tax uh, plans when it comes to manufacturing. Biden would first like to enact a manufacturing communities tax credit, which would therefore uh, put in a tax credit 
for areas that promoted manufacturing within their community and kept the jobs there. Another policy he has is to impose a tax penalty on drug manufacturers that increase the cost of their brand, biotech, or abusively priced generic drugs over the general inflation rate. So any company that increased the prices in any of these categories over the inflation rate at the current period would be imposed a ta uh, tax penalty. Another policy Biden would like is to create a 10% tax uh, surtax penalty for companies that move their operations out of the United States and overseas. Uh, this would hopefully incentivize them to keep their production here in the United States. Another policy he has is a 10% tax credit for companies that create jobs in the United States to hopefully incentivize uh, new jobs here. What are some of the effects of Biden's proposed policies? Well, companies must now re-weigh re the costs of going overseas versus keeping manufacturing in the United States when it comes to the incentives and the penalties. There could be possible layoffs for companies having to pay more tax or from deciding to move their uh, production overseas. And there are also some incentives to keep those jobs in the United States. Now, when we look at a comparison between Trump and Biden, it seems that Trump went the route of just having an incentive to keep manufacturing uh, in the United States with his tax policy. But when we look at Biden, um, he has a mix of penalties and a few tax credits that would be the incentives to keep manufacturing in the United States. With that being covered, now I'd like to talk with Nathan about his research into real estate tax. Nathan, what have you learned from your research so far? Thank you, Chris. Um, the two areas of real estate tax that I spent the majority of my time researching were like-kind exchanges under IRC 1031 and the step-up basis rule under IRC 1014. I re reviewed a lot of the different real estate tax policies for each candidate, but I decided on these two because they can potentially be used together or independently in real estate to avoid paying a significant amount of capital gains tax. Also, the presidential candidates have differing views on these topics, and depending on who's our next president and their ability to pass or maintain tax legislation could have an impact on real estate investors and their potential heirs. I definitely find it to be interesting times in terms of speculating real estate tax. I'm interested in learning more about like-kind exchanges. Can you share with our listeners what a like-kind exchange under IRC 1031 is and an example of one? Sure. A like-kind exchange happens when an investor sells a piece of real property, remembering that real property is building or land, in exchange for another piece of like-kind real property. A qualified like exchange then allows the investor to defer the capital gains from the sale of their property by investing those proceeds into a new piece of qualified real property that is held for investments. Okay, let me break this down into more basic terms. Let's say that I, that I purchased a piece of res residential rental property. We'll call it property number one as an investment in 2010, and let's say it was for $100,000. In 2015, let's say that the fair market value was now $200,000 and I decided that I would like to sell it. However, 
I realized that I would have to pay tax on $100,000 worth of capital gains unless I reinvested the proceeds into, the like kind, into a like-kind exchange property. The tax on the capital gains could have, could have been anywhere from zero to 20,000. So to avoid paying capital gain taxes, I sold the rental property, property one for 200,000 and reinvested the proceeds into another piece of rental property, property two worth 300,000. Because it was done under the terms of IRC 1031, I was able to potentially avoid paying 20,000 in capital gains on property one. You can probably see how like-kind exchanges can be a good deal for real estate investors. Uh, myself, I can only imagine how many pieces of property are out there that were part of a like-kind exchange. Now, can a business or investor use a like-kind exchange for equipment? That's a great question. Unfortunately, like-kind exchanges are now limited to real property. Uh, however, prior to 2017, businesses and investors were allowed to perform like-kind exchanges for automobiles and machinery, uh, but unfortunately that was repealed under the TCJA. I think that the government may have decided that the extended bonus and 179 depreciation was sufficient for tangible and personal property. Awesome. So now that we have a bit of a background, what are the candidates' views on Section 1031? Trump is in favor of the existing legislation and doesn't have any plans to change it. And it's my current understanding that Biden wants to allow 1031 exchanges for individuals that make less than 400000 a year and he wants to repeal it for anyone that makes more. Okay, I think that brings us to our last piece of legislation and policy that you researched, which was step-up basis. Can you share with us some of your findings for stepped-up basis under IRC 1014A? Sure. The step-up basis under IRC 1014A allows the heir of a piece of property to receive a basis in the property that's equal to the fair market value. For an individual that inherits a piece of real estate with capital gains, the step-up basis allows them to avoid paying tax on the built-in capital gains of the property. Now, you can probably see why I mentioned that IRC 1031 and 1014 could be used independently or together. Yeah, that's interesting. You did mention in your opening discussion that, is, that there is the potential for real estate investors to utilize both of these codes together. Can you share with us a basic example of when like-kind exchange and step-up basis might be used on the same property? Sure. If you don't mind, I'm going to parlay off of the previous example that I used to illustrate like-kind exchanges. Okay, so remember how I purchased a piece of rental property, property one for $100,000, and then the property went up to $200,000 in value? I sold property one and, and reinvested the proceeds into a new piece of property, property two, worth 300000 to avoid paying capital gains tax on the 100000 IRC 1031 allowed me to do this. Now let's fast forward and say, uh, and now, now let's fast forward and let's say I'm 80 years old and property two is now worth a million dollars. Well, I decide that I'm not going to sell property to because I do not want to pay capital gains tax on 900000 But instead, I'm going to leave this property to my only heir when I die. Based on the current statutes, when I die, my heir can receive a basis in property two equal to the fair market value, and therefore myself and my family avoid paying cap the capital gains tax. 
in this scenario, it saves my family 180,000 in capital gain tax. It's pretty interesting to me that a piece of property can potentially avoid paying capital gains for a lifetime. Yeah, that is interesting. And I can see where it could potentially draw differing opinions between these candidates. What are the candidates' views on IRC 1014? And would it be a big deal if 1031 and 1014 were both repealed? Chris, in reference to your first question, Trump is in favor of keeping IRC 1031 and 1014 intact. Joe Biden has mentioned repealing the step-up basis and placing limitations on like-kind exchanges. I think your second question was, do I think it would be a big deal if like-kind exchanges and IRC 1014 were repealed? Well, I think it would definitely impact real estate investors who utilize like-kind exchanges and had planned on passing real property along to their heirs with hopes that they could utilize the step-up basis rule to avoid paying capital gains tax. Now, unfortunately, I did not have enough time to research the history of IRC 1014 or the potential economic impacts that the candidate's policies might have on society. However, I can say that like-kind exchanges have been around in some format for almost 100 years. I was able to locate like-kind exchanges in the Revenue Act of 1921. If Joe Biden is elected president, I think it would be a significant change if he's able to repeal like-kind exchanges for investors who make more than 400000 Mr. Biden proposes that he will use the tax revenue from the like-kind exchanges to support other needed areas in the country. I definitely think there will be some real estate investors that will be paying close attention to this November's election. Awesome. I believe that concludes the majority of our findings in the regards to real estate, manufacturing tax policy, and the individual and corporate tax rates. James and Nathan, is there anything else you guys want to share with us today? No, it was great being on the podcast with everyone, and, and I hope we can do this again. And I am happy to have participated and just hope everybody gets out to vote. Awesome. Well, I'll close with us remembering what Adam Smith identified as four characteristics of a good tax system in his book, A Wealth of Nations. They were equality, certainty, convenience, and economy. Thank you for tuning in and listening to us. Take care.